Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you today. My name is Aaron, and I'm happy to be sharing God's Word with you. The world is becoming increasingly intolerant of Christians. Churches are being persecuted. Pastors are being put into prison for simply speaking truth from the Bible You will be criticized, called out, and canceled. So what are Christians to do when trouble comes and when the world seems like it's winning? Our passage today is 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. We're coming to the closing statements of Paul's letter to Timothy. The Apostle Paul has been put in prison And he knows his days are numbered. He writes with urgency and directness to Timothy, the young church leader. Left with their letter, we follow their examples in the faith. Paul's overarching theme is to preach the word. Preaching is of utmost importance in the life of the church. The call to preach is for every pastor. But there's also calling for all Christians to preach. To preach is to herald, it's to make a pronouncement, it's to make announcements, it's to be the town crier, to say, hear ye, hear ye, come listen to see what the king has to say. Listen up, pay attention. And this type of preaching that Paul has in mind is not restricted only to the pulpits. It's done out in public spaces like in your communities, like in your schools, and it's sometimes done person to person. Today, I want to introduce you to the idea of a missional lifestyle. A missional lifestyle is to live your life proclaiming Christ. A missional lifestyle is to live your life proclaiming Christ. To be a missionary does not mean that you have to go overseas. You're an everyday missionary in your communities, in your schools, when you're out with your friends, and when you're at home with your family. You represent Jesus with your thoughts and your words and your actions. This is the calling of every single Christian. Now, Timothy's ministry, Timothy, in in our Bible passage today, Timothy's ministry is to preach. But all of us have been given the mission. And while this passage affirms biblical preaching, we're all called to biblical living. Paul says it best with what it means to live as a Christian. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, Christ controls and he directs and he empowers all that we do. A worthy life is lived for Christ. And his mission becomes ours. And so in our passage, Paul will give us two motivations for a missional lifestyle. Uh, Here's our outline. And I want you to pay special attention to the applications I'm going to make. So you you have it here for you. I want it just to be really clear. And I want you today to pay special attention to the the applications I'm going to give throughout the text. 
follow along with the outline, and then write down the applications as I speak them to you. I think God will speak specifically to your certain situations. So listen to what he has to say. We begin with our first motivation for a missional lifestyle. Our first motivation for a missional lifestyle is to fulfill your mission. Let's unpack what fulfilling your mission actually means. It means first to proclaim the gospel. Fulfilling your mission means to proclaim the gospel. This is our first verse. And remember, whenever I show you verses like this, I have a verse, and sometimes I'll have a cross-reference below, just so you know what I'm, what I'm doing here. Our passage today, 2 Timothy 4, and let's look at verses 1 through 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. You see, Paul punches quickly, charging you with the presence, authority, and the power of God. This is reality. God is. He has made himself clear. There's a standard to how you must live your life. You are to uphold his glory. And you have all fallen short of this standard. You all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You will be judged. But if you trust in Jesus, if you believe in him as your savior, if you repent from your sin and you come to him, You'll find grace. You'll be forgiven. You'll be free. You see, Jesus needs to be known. Christ is coming again, and the kingdom of God is at hand. This is serious. You are to warn the world. Testify to this truth. Preach the word. Again, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Aaron, well, I'm not a preacher. And remember, preaching is just proclaiming. It's just telling the truth It doesn't just happen in the pulpit. We're not all called to the pulpit, but we are all called to proclaim Jesus. We're all tasked to go out with the good news. Now, what exactly is the word that we're supposed to proclaim? Preach the word, right? So what is the word that we're supposed to be sharing? All scripture, that's the word. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, the word we are to share and proclaim is all of Scripture. It is the Bible, words that have been breathed out by God and given to us. It is valuable, it's precious, it's useful, it's sufficient to speak of everything we need to know to be saved. You proclaim this message, and it is enough. What do your words and works, your actions and your attitudes reveal about God and his truth? How would the presence of a holy God impact the way that you live your life? And I'm not talking about just like, oh, God is with me. I get it. No, I'm talking about, do you actually believe that God is real and he has a presence in your life? How would it change the way you speak? Would you have a closer watch over your words? Are you able to admit to others that you're a sinner? Are you able to say sorry and apologize when you've wronged others? And do you trust Jesus, finding your final forgiveness in him? Do you live in freedom from your sin? Or do you 
live in fear of your sin. All right, here's something else. Do you live in freedom from your grades and from performance and from people pleasing, knowing that you have acceptance and love and care in Jesus? And how does Jesus's return, the fact that he's coming soon, how does that impact your priorities? Does it energize your evangelism? All scripture speaks to the smallest and the largest details of your days. Proclaim the gospel with your words and your works, your actions and your attitudes. Fulfilling your ministry means proclaiming the gospel in the presence of God and knowing its values, proclaim Christ in all of life. Our second motivation in fulfilling your mission is to always be ready. Always be ready. Here's the verse. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, there are some qualifying statements to proclaiming the gospel. You are to be ready in season and out of season. This means to be ready at all times. It means to be ready no matter the situation or the circumstance. It means to have the gospel on hand for when it is convenient and when it's inconvenient. It means to be prepared. And so like a serious student, you're always ready for that pop quiz. And like an athlete that loves a certain sport, you always have your gear and your clothes ready to go. And if you're a musician, you always have a piece that you're ready to perform. You're always ready. You're always prepared. And like any dedicated student or athlete or musician, we are to devote ourselves to our work. You know, later on in this letter, Paul says to devote yourself to the public preaching of Scripture, to exhort and to teach. Always be ready. Always be prepared. Be devoted. Look at the list of how we can use the Bible to proclaim the gospel, reprove, rebuke, exhort. This list is not exhaustive, but it's meant to get the points across that scripture can be used for any occasion. To reprove is to make an argument for the truth. To rebuke is to warn someone of their sin. And to exhort is to encourage and to call others to action. Scripture performs all of these tasks, and you are to use it with complete patience and teaching. Complete patience and and teaching. Now, I talked about this before, but I want to reiterate it again. You must have the character of Christ. We are to be patient, okay? We are to be patient with others when it comes to sharing and seeing if they will believe. Uh, we're to be kind and gentle, and we're to seek to teach others. We're not trying to beat people over the heads with the Bible. We don't want to win arguments just for the sake of winning arguments. We want to persuade people to come to Christ. That's what really matters. We don't want to win over people, but we want to win over our opponents for Christ. We want to win them over for Jesus. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and do it with respect. So, whether it's to believers or to unbelievers, are you prepared? 
Are you prepared to proclaim the gospel? Are you in spiritual shape to share about the Savior? I'm talking about spiritual strength training. I'm talking about Christian conditioning. We recently talked about the spiritual disciplines in my Sunday school class, daily discipline devotions. You know, the spiritual disciplines are practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth. Bible reading, prayer, scripture memorization and meditation, interpretation and application. You know, there's a reason why we call our quiet times with God our devotions. It's because we are devoting ourselves, our time and our mind and our heart to God. And when you are walking with God, you will always be prepared. You'll be ready to witness. You'll always have something to share. Prepare to share the gospel by making Bible reading, praying, and worshiping part of your daily routine. Fulfilling your ministry means to always be ready, devoting yourself, and being prepared to proclaim Christ. Next, we are to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Let me show you where I'm getting this from Scripture. 2 Timothy 4, 2-4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. And they'll wander off into myths. Why is it important that we need to be ready? It's because people will not endure sound teaching. They will not endure healthy doctrine. You know, we need to anticipate this. We need to be prepared and ready for this. The world will not have it. They will not put up with it. They will not take the truth of Scripture. They might find it boring. They might find it old and outdated. Uh, Some might actually understand what the Bible is saying, but they'll hate it. They might be fed up and find it exhausting. They'll be offended. They'll see it as bigoted and declare it as hate speech. So these people, they'll just listen to whatever they want. They'll listen to whatever tickles their ears and delights their fancy. They'll listen to what they agree with, whatever suits their own passions. But what's sad about all of this is that these people will actually turn away from listening to the truth. They will turn their back on it. They'll rebel, and they'll desert it, and they'll reject it, wandering off into mist. This is not some sort of theoretical, scary situation. Uh, This is real. And this was personal for Paul. Look at what Paul has to say. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. 2 Timothy 1.15. You see, these people are Paul's friends. Paul lost his companions. He suffered personal loss. But this did not stop him from proclaiming the truth. This did not stop him from telling the truth. We know this to be true. Light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. You'll find that there are people in this world who do not want anything to do with Jesus. They don't want anything to do with Christians. They'll mock the fact that we call Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. They'll call you foolish. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to help you see that this is serious. Jesus made it clear. 
that even our family ties will be tested when he said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus calls us to love him more than anything or anyone else in this entire world. Have you lost friends or family because you're a Christian? Do you see your circle of friends shrinking because of your commitment to Christ? I don't take for granted that some of your parents here and some of your family members are not Christian. Uh, Do they question your priorities for being a Christian, for always coming to church? I want to give you some encouragement, and then I also want to give you an exhortation. Look around. The church really is the family of Christ, the family of God. We have friends here who are closer than our brothers and our sisters. It's true. Uh, We are united by the blood of Jesus. So be encouraged that you are not alone. You know, I didn't have any real friends, real Christian friends, when I was in high school. Um, I had to go to school, and it was was incredibly lonely trying to be a Christian in this world. I really depended on the weekends when I could come to church and when I could fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I needed the weekends to spend with my friends who shared the same faith. And I hope you know by now that I really do see you, all of you that are here, my Sunday school students, as my brothers and sisters in the Lord. We must not neglect meeting together. We need to meet together for encouragement and for edification. We meet here for the sake of our souls. It's not just fun and games. We need each other to persevere in the faith. Fulfilling your ministry means teaching the truth. Proclaiming Christ by sharing sound doctrine even when friends and family turn away. Next, endure and evangelize. Endure and evangelize. This is the verse. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. With self-controlled, clear-headed thinking, You are to endure and to evangelize. This is the work God has given you to do. This is your great commission. Suffering is all over Paul's letter to Timothy. Do you remember where Paul is writing from? He's writing from prison. Um, And he's writing from prison because he was preaching the gospel. Paul was put in prison for preaching the gospel. And so like the Apostle Paul, we must not be ashamed of the gospel or those who suffer for it. And when we suffer... We share in it with great saints of the faith. And our suffering is not in vain. When you are placed in chains, the word of God is not bound. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Have you ever wondered if it's worth it to keep sharing your faith with others? It's not popular right now to be a Christian. It's not cool to be of Christ. Uh, You might face some social stigma. You might lose some social status. I know not all of your family and friends are saved, but I don't want you to give up in sharing the good news. I want you to take some risks I want you to put yourself out there. 
Let your family see you reading your Bible. Open the door of your room and let them see you doing your devotions. Tell your friends that you go to church. Tell them what you do on Sundays and Fridays. Tell them who your friends are, your brothers and sisters here in Christ. Offer to pray for others, even if they don't believe in prayer themselves. It's going to be weird, and it's going to be awkward, but they will know who to call when they want to talk to someone who knows God. They'll know who to call when they need to hear some truth in their lives. Persevere in sharing the gospel, even in the midst of suffering. Fulfilling your ministry means endure and evangelize, proclaiming Christ in suffering for the sake of saving others. We now come to our second point. Finish the race. Finish the race. This is our second motivation for a missional lifestyle. It's to finish the race. Now let's unpack what finishing the race means. First, it means to stay on course. Stay on course. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul says that he's going to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of his departure has come. He's saying his life, his life is like a sacrifice being offered to God. Paul's given it all. And there's nothing left for him to give. Remember, he's writing this at the end of his life. He knows his time is up. The time of his departure has come. His plane is taken off. His ship is sailing. And he has given us an example to follow. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. This is all athletic imagery demonstrating perseverance and steadfastness and loyalty. Paul, Paul stayed in the game. He did not flinch or back down. He was not intimidated by his opponents. He stayed true to the task at hand. He was not distracted. He was not sidetracked. This is a life consumed by Christ. But I do not account of my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Have you stayed on course or have you been sidetracked? I want to talk about one of the biggest distractions of our time, our phones. Whether it's games or social media or just surfing the internet, we have become slaves to ourselves. We have become obsessed with ourselves. We're slaves to our screens And I want to challenge you right now today. Here's an application. Delete distracting apps. Delete apps that cause you to move away from Christ. Delete the apps that cause you directly to sin. Delete the apps that cause you to stumble. Don't waste your time. Don't play with fire. Resolve to keep your phone away during worship. Don't be so self-absorbed. See the need of others. There's so many people around us here that need Jesus and that need you to speak truth into their life, that need you to be their friends. Don't be stuck in your phone. Is your friend hurting? Is someone in your family stressed or worried? Does someone in your small group need encouragement? 
gaze away from your phone and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Bring him into focus. Put away your phones, delete your apps, and don't get distracted from enjoying and sharing Jesus. Finishing the race means staying on course, denying yourself, and staying true to the task. Our next point underneath finishing the race is to receive your reward. Receive your reward. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. You see, nothing else mattered to Paul except the mission. And now the mission was complete. He's passing on the baton. We run the race for the same reason, to receive an award from the Lord. The reward is for finishing a race, and it was a crown, a wreath that was placed on the heads of those who would win. And as soldiers, we wear the helmet of salvation. But when our fighting is over, when the war is won, we receive a crown. And we wear that when we rest and we rule in God's eternal kingdom. But the true reward, listen, the true reward is for those who love Jesus, for those who love his appearing. And so the true reward for those who love Christ is actually to be at home with him together in heaven. Jesus is our true reward. You know, Paul knew he was nearing the end. He counted the costs. He considered the risks. He knew what was at stake. Death was at his doorstep. But for Paul and for us, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, the worst that anyone can do is to die. The worst thing that can happen to anyone is death. But for Christians, hurting just brings us closer to home. Death just brings us to the doorstep of heaven. This is what we long for, to be with the one that we love, Jesus. Do you know what the final words of the Bible is? What's the last passage in all of scripture? It's this. He who testifies to these things, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's a prayer for Jesus to come quickly so that we can be at home with him. Is your hope in heaven or are your eyes set on earthly things? Here on earth, we are showered with blessings. But for Christians, we need to be sure that we are thankful for Jesus more than anything else. If God took away all of your material possessions, would Christ still be enough? You can tell where you place your hope by seeing where you get sad or where you get upset. If your grades, if your grades start to slip or if you fail a test, do you get scared or do you freak out? When you look at others and compare yourself with others online, do you feel lonely or do you feel insecure? I want to give you a new song for your heart today. Let your grades and let your socials go. God's kingdom is forever.
Place your hope in heaven, not in school or your social media. Finishing the race means receiving your reward, the crown of righteousness and the presence of Christ. Here's an objection. You might say, Aaron, it's easy for you to talk about these things. It's easy for you to go tell people, oh, go proclaim Christ. You're a preacher. You're a teacher. It's easy for you to do that when you have a captive audience. But it's different when you're sharing at school. It's different when you're sharing with your friends. In normal day-to-day life, there is no power when I share the gospel. You might be objecting and saying that. There is no power when I share the gospel. Yes, preaching is special when it comes from the pulpit. It's a privilege to preach from the pulpit. This is how God shepherds his sheep. This is the way that God grows his church. It's true. But in regards to normal day-to-day life and versus me and you, when comparing our ability or our power to share the gospel, I would say to you that the power is not in the preacher and the power is not in the pulpit. The power is not in me as a person or in the pulpit's prestige. Instead, the power is in the work of the word of God. The power is in the work of the word of God. The power is present in being faithful to the gospel. The power is in just preaching Jesus and the word of God for what it is. A simple sharing of the gospel will suffice. For those whom God has called, he will make certain that they hear his voice. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And so I thank God that it is not our wisdom, it's not our eloquence that carries Christ. It is not in our attractiveness or in our ability to entertain. The Word does the work. Christ is compelling. Jesus draws you in. The missional lifestyle that I've been talking to you about today is a privileged lifestyle. And what I mean is that it's an honor to be a bearer of the good news. Think about this. If you are not a Christian, if you have not repented from your sins and found refuge in Jesus, you are in direct opposition to God. You are God's enemy. Your eyes are blind. Your heart is stone. And what you need to see is your need for a savior. You need to be stunned by your sin. This is the state of your soul. You are dead in your trespasses. You are destined for hell. But if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for your sins, and that he rose again, you will be saved. Your eternal destiny is secure. You will have a home with him forever in heaven. Christ is the key to your salvation. Jesus becomes your joy. When you find Jesus to be your treasure, you'll see that he's worth everything and more. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells 
all that he has, and he buys that field. I am a beggar telling you where to find free bread. I am a desert wanderer and telling you where you can find streams of living water. Eat and drink for free. Jesus will not disappoint. He will not let you down. When you see Jesus as your greatest treasure, you will give your life to him with joy. What a privilege it is to proclaim the good news and to be a bearer of what the Bible says. Jesus saves. What a privilege it is to live your life proclaiming Christ. If you've been following along, here are the applications that I mentioned throughout our text. Proclaim the gospel with your words and your words, your attitudes and your actions. Prepare to share the gospel by making Bible reading, praying, and worshiping your daily routine. Prioritize meeting together for encouragement and for edification. Persevere in sharing the gospel even in the midst of suffering. Put away your phones, delete your apps, and don't get distracted from enjoying and sharing Jesus. Place your hope in heaven, not in your grades or your social media. I want to challenge you today to choose one of these applications to really commit to. Work on it for the entire week. Let's not make a practice of just thinking about applications. Don't just hear, okay? Don't just hear what I'm saying, but you need to do what I'm saying. Uh, Let's be humble and let's work hard, practice what we preach, and pray that God would open doors for us to go and evangelize. Having a missional lifestyle means to live your life proclaiming Christ. Our two motivations for a missional lifestyle are to fulfill your ministry and to finish the race. Said another way, here is our big idea for today. God calls you to carry out and complete a missional lifestyle to live your life proclaiming Christ. God calls you to carry out and complete a missional lifestyle to live your life proclaiming Christ. When trouble comes for Christians, and when it looks like the world is winning, what are we to do? We recall and we remember what Jesus said. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. These are the words of Jesus. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ, the incarnate word of God, has overcome the world. The word has overcome the world. And so my prayer for you is that whenever you open your mouths to speak, I pray that words may be given so that you will boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. I pray that you may proclaim it fearlessly as you should. You can be sure and even sing that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we rejoice and we pray in persecution. It's fitting that we preach this message before Thanksgiving. 
This is what 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In trials and tribulation, you can take heart. The word of God has overcome the world. My brothers and sisters, the pulpit is not the only place where preaching takes place. You proclaim Christ in your everyday life. I'm passing you the baton. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? God calls you to carry out and to complete a missional lifestyle, to live your life proclaiming Christ. You can reach family and friends. You can reach your school and your communities. You can continue the work of sowing gospel seeds. God will give the growth. We gladly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to anyone who has ears to hear. Let's pray. This is a prayer poem that I wrote for you in our youth service here at FCBC Walnut. You called us out of darkness. You called us to declare that you are God alone, and we are not to fear. For though our sin is great, your grace is shown in love, and we can come rejoicing, repent, and trust your Son. If anyone would look, behold the risen King. Their sins can be forgiven, and death will lose its sting. You've given us your word for us to taste and see that life is found in Jesus and that we might believe. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life and he is our good news. So soften stony hearts and open blinded eyes as we, your children, live to love and proclaim Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.